Let's receive the word of God together. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to the one who has no might, he increases his strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, we're thankful for words like these, words that come in the midst of anguish, the midst of struggle and sorrow and longing. These are words that bring hope, that reveal who you are to us. And this weekend, we are mindful of those who, who mourn and have been mourning, those who continue to grieve a tremendous loss that happened 20 years ago yesterday. We also mourn and grieve with those who around the globe are overwhelmed by the loss of loved ones due to this virus. Some four and a half million people identified as dying from this disease. And we mourn with those who grieve today. And so, God, even as we receive your words of hope, would you so implant them into us that they would not only minister to us, but as we heard this morning, that we would let your light shine through us, that your hope would be something we would offer to others, that the way we conduct our lives, the way we speak with others would bring hope into their lives because of your generosity. And so, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may our experience here this morning be something that glorifies you. We give you praise. In Christ's name, amen. What matters to you? What matters to you? It's a, it's a simple question, and yet it is a question with uh, huge implications, the answer of which has huge implications. Do you know that there's actually a day set aside every year uh, that's the um, uh, what matters to you day? Uh, this, this year it was June uh, 9th. It, it all began, this, this what matters to you day began uh, because of an article that appeared in the New England Journal of Medicine back in 2012. It was a piece that was taking a look at shared decision-making in a healthcare context between the medical provider and the patient. And the idea of being able to ask a question that would have implications, that, that would set people up for, for an, a positive experience. So what matters to you? If you're a list maker, maybe in your mind right now, would you make a list? If you like making lists, just make a list of the things that matter to you. And maybe you can move to the top of the list of the things that matter most. 
If you're a person who likes to think in terms of pictures, would you start creating a montage of, of pictures of the things that matter to you? And, and maybe you would move the things that matter most to the center of, uh, of that montage. If you're a story person, if you like stories, if it's really kind of a, a movie playing through your head, maybe you would consider even now the story of that, that you had to get downtown by a certain time and, and you had to bring all the symbols or the actual things that mattered to you, whether they were symbols of relationships or values or dreams or hopes or actual things, and you had to collect them and make it downtown in time. Maybe that's the story you can run through your mind. What would I collect? What would I bring? What matters to you? And as you answer that, where does God fit into what matters to you? Not theoretically, but actually, where does God fit in to what matters to you and to me? This fall, we're going to be spending time looking at the good and beautiful God, the God who uh, is and the God who has revealed himself in this world. Our goal for our time together would be that each one of us, every single one of us throughout our entire congregation, those here in person, those participating online, that all of us together, would, we would sense that we have grown in our understanding, that we have grown in our dependence upon this good and beautiful God. Our passage this morning is the one we're using to kick off our conversations uh, and it brings to us some uh, things that, that we can uh, uh, use as a, as a beginning point as we enter into this series of dialogues. Here's the first one uh, that I would put before you. Our God conversations matter. Our God conversations matter. And this would include external conversations that we have about God and um, these would be conversations we would have with each other. These include the internal conversations, those conversations we have with ourselves about God. And these would include the vertical conversations, the conversations we have with God about who He is and the role He plays in our life. And whether they're external, internal, or vertical, these conversations have power. They can be in the form of discourse or dialogue or debate or diatribe, but as one source put it, they have the power uh, to establish bonds, to clarify intentions, to create lasting relationships. There is an implied conversation in our text. And maybe it would help before we look at that conversation that we would understand a little bit of the context. In the book of Isaiah, we find that in chapter 40, uh, the, the time shifts that, that Isaiah living in the 7th century B.C. that, that we um, find here that there's now the discussion of the exile, that what is, what is life like in the exile? And can you imagine what it would be like to, to be exiled from your land? What if, what if all of a sudden, all of us here right now, that we were just transported to some foreign land with a foreign faith, to not, nothing that we're used to, and that we're put there, we're taken out of our homes, we're taken out of everything we're used to, and we're put into a whole different context. Not for just a week or two, like it were some kind of mission trip, 
Not like a, a vacation where we could travel around and see interesting sights. But that we would be transported for not just one generation, not just two generations, but maybe even more than three generations removed from our homeland. Can you imagine the external conversations you would have? The external conversations we would have about God and what God is up to. The internal conversations you might have to yourself talking about God. What, what could he possibly be doing? God, what, what are you doing in my midst? Can you imagine the conversations you would have with God? Our text says in verse 27, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? Those, those names, Jacob and Israel, are, are artfully used uh, by Isaiah here. That to, and some of you, if, if you know some of the stories in, in, in the Old Testament, you know who Jacob is. That, that God, some 2,000 years before the time of Jesus, chose Abraham and, and said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to have this amazing family, and, and you're, you're going to be a blessing. Your family is going to bless all the other nations, all the other peoples of the world. And so Abraham and Sarah had Isaac, and Isaac and Rebekah had Esau and Jacob. Jacob received the blessing. Jacob grew, and uh, he ended up being the father of 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. And God gave him the name Israel. So one man called both Jacob and Israel. And in calling both Jacob and Israel, there is a call from God that talks to the people, uh, the entire people, but also to them individually. Why do you say, O Jacob? And why do you speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from God. My right is disregarded by my God. That, that my, my right, my, my, my justice, what is justly due me is disregarded by God. My cause is disregarded by God. You know, conversations have that power to shape. And some of you may have uh, uh, covered this uh, pre- previously, but um, there was this practice that began in the ninth century in China where it became the thing to uh, uh, bind women's feet. And they would start with little girls. And when the little girls were somewhere between the age of four and nine, they began to bend their toes over uh, to where they would actually break their toes. And, and they would then bind them and put these wrappings on them. They would redo the binding daily. And, and they'd let the toes come back out and they'd soak them, bind them back under, breaking them and, and pushing the foot together. So that it would deform, and then it would end up, and what they found, even though this became such a popular thing, didn't come to its end until the early 1900s, but that it would reshape, it would inhibit progress, it would inhibit mobility, uh, this reshaping. And it may be that we have these conversations with God, we have these conversations internally about God, we have these conversations externally about God, that the way we're going about them, they bind us in. They limit our mobility and our formation before God. You know, if we're always shaking a fist at God, if that's how we're binding our conversation with God, God, how dare you? My way is hidden from you. 
why do you disregard me? And there's like, we bind God in by our own anger. Or, or maybe we have those curled lip conversations. And we bind God in by the, the constant curled lip conversation. God, you never remember me. I'm always the one left out. You never think of me. God doesn't think of us. Or maybe we have those soul-despairing conversations where we have no hope, where we've simply given up, and, and that becomes the description, uh, the limitation of our knowledge of God. In our text, it asks, why do you say, O Jacob, why do you speak, O Israel? And then a little later, in the beginning of verse 28, it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? That word to know in the Hebrew, yada, uh, it's a word that means not just knowledge like are you not familiar with, but do you not see as to perceive? Do, do you not have that kind of insight as to where you understand? Do you not know? And to, again, with this idea of, of Jacob and Israel, do you not know my children? Do you not know children of God? Have you not heard? This word for here is the word Shema. Uh, and if you know the Old Testament, that, that the Shema, that hear, O Israel. And, and it's not just being able to hear the sound waves, to pick up the sound waves, but, but do you not actively listen? Are you not receiving what God is teaching? Are you not hearing in a way that leads unto obedience? You know, it can be a challenge. We, can, we live in context, and sometimes we let the context inform us about who God is, rather than letting God inform us about who our con- what our context is all about. I love that Josh put that uh, ice, iceberg up on the screen. We can be so focused on that tip of the iceberg, the, the piece that is easy to see. In fact, maybe even the tip of the tip of the iceberg. And we think that our context becomes determinative for all things. And yet there's this God who knows us more deeply, whose wisdom is, is greater than we could ever imagine. This God who has made promises that he keeps. This God who created all things. Why do you say, do you not know? Have you not heard? This fall, we will have conversations about God. Is it okay to talk about our context? Absolutely. Can we be honest about how we feel about things? You bet we can, and we will. But in the midst of our context, we will explore the God who has revealed himself in this world. The second thing we can take from this passage today is that our God narratives matter. Not only do our conversations about God and with God and uh, the ones we have with others and inside ourselves, not only do those conversations matter, but the narratives, the stories that we have about God matters. There's something about the power of stories to form who we are. How many of you know Pam Russell? I would imagine a number of you know Pam Russell. Those of you who don't know Pam Russell, um, I, I look forward to when you can say, I know Pam Russell. Because knowing Pam Russell is pretty, pretty cool. Uh, Pam, and by the way, uh, I didn't ask, no, I asked her if I could use her name this morning. Um, so you don't have to worry about, is he just going to use my name in a moment? 
I might. Um, but if you do know Pam Russell, you probably have Pam narratives. You probably have Pam stories. And they form your understanding of who Pam is. In fact, I bet you they form a little bit of your life. I bet you Pam's life has impacted your life if you know her. And if you don't know her yet, when you have stories about Pam, those stories will impact you. And I would imagine what I know of Pam is that so many of those stories, the vast, vast, vast majority of those stories are such wonderful gifts. Although it could be that maybe someone had a different kind of experience. In fact, I know that with me, that, that people have had stories and encounters with me that, that leave them wanting. Maybe I, I, I didn't say hello uh, because I, I was passing by and I had something else in my mind, and that became a foundational story. Maybe there was a need in the church, and I didn't respond the way that somebody wanted me to respond. That becomes part of the narrative, part of the story. And he has this powerful thing to, to define the relationship. The power of stories. And we put those stories together and we form a book. The book of Pam. The book of Bob. The book of Northminster. But we happen to have a book that is full of stories about God. A book where God is the primary actor throughout all of the stories that are contained here in this book. In fact, in our passage, what we, are, what we receive, there are three titles, two understandings, and one work of God that all speak to the stories of God. Three titles, two understandings, and one work of God that all speak to the story and the role of God in this world. The three titles that you can find in verses uh, 28 and 29 is that God is the everlasting God. That you can hear, you can even feel the story in that. That God's story begins before time. And God's story will continue into eternity. There is this God, this God who exists above and beyond. And the God then we find out who is the Lord. And Joss has done such a great job reminding us uh, of how whenever we see Lord in capital letters. That this is the word Yahweh. And that during the time of Moses, that, that Moses asked God, who should I say that sends me? When they ask me, who has sent you, who should I tell them? And he goes, Yahweh, that you tell them that I am who I am. You tell them that Yahweh sent, sent you. And so even to see the Lord here tells a story. We're told that he's the creator. The everlasting, the Lord, the creator. The story of creation, that God created all things good. And he created people in his image. Three titles, two qualities. The qualities that he does not become weary. His understanding is inscrutable. And you can go back in every page of the Bible and you see how God does not grow weary. God remains faithful. That his understanding, his wisdom is inscrutable. It's unsearchable. We cannot fathom the depths of his understanding. And one work. One work that he gives power to the faint. And those who lack might, he increases their strength. This is the work of God. In fact, it's so, it's so key to what God does, it's even repeated in here twice. This is who God is. And again, we see the stories in creation, in the flood, in Abraham, and Joseph, and Moses, and David, and Ruth, and Esther, and Jesus, and the disciples. We see how God moves to, to bring strength. In Acts 1.8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and all of God's children receive strength. This fall, we will engage the God stories. 
we will question the false narratives that we have clung to, that we might replace those false narratives, those untrue narratives, with the narratives of who God truly is. Our God conversations matter. Our God narratives matter. And it turns out that our tearing for God matters as well. Our tearing for God matters. So the text, at least in the ESV, it says, those who wait upon the Lord. But unfortunately, in our culture, the word waiting is such a passive word. Like you just, here's the waiting room. What do you do there? Just read magazines, right? That's all you, or you just check your uh, Facebook page or uh, you send text or something, but you just wait. You just wait. And the word here is so much more than just waiting. Like it's some kind of passive, non-active waiting. And so I use the word tearing. And tearing simply means lingering with expectation, remaining, abiding, being engaged in our waiting. You know, in this world, I've heard it before that people will make a distinction in this world is between uh, workhorses and thoroughbreds, right? So workhorses... Uh, they just—they might amount to something, but maybe not. Just kind of, they'll just plod along. But there are thoroughbreds, and those thoroughbreds, they will be the successful ones. They are the ones who are the best on the team. They are the ones who are best in school. They are the ones who will get the best jobs. And we then decide on what success looks like between workhorses and thoroughbreds. But in God's economy, he has a different approach doesn't matter whether you're a workhorse or a thoroughbred. God brings strength. God equips. God causes people to soar on wings like eagles. No matter what their context might be, Maybe a picture of this. Imagine yourself in the kitchen and you're cooking. You're going through a recipe and maybe there's a number of recipes and, and you're making the meal and, and you come across something that you don't have in your cupboards. And so you turn to someone else in the household. Maybe you call a friend. You say, can you run to the store? I, I'm in the midst of making this meal and I need this one key ingredient. Well, you don't stop cooking while that person is off getting that thing that you need. You don't just sit around going, well, I'll just, I'll just wait. You keep working at the meal. You keep bringing about the other pieces. And, and you have this anticipation, this expectation that that will then show up. And so it is that in our relationship with God that we wait. We keep moving in the name of God in this world. But we trust that God will show up and do the things that God will do. Because God knows the entire iceberg. God knows the 90%. He moves and he does the things that brings him glory and reveals his love in this world. And so this fall, we will engage in God conversations. We will engage in stories of God. We will engage in learning to wait upon this wonderful God. In other words, this fall matters. This fall matters. We're going to be uh, making use of, uh, of some tools in this, and we're going to be having these experiences. In fact, if you would, why don't you go ahead and in the midst of all the documents you received this morning, you received this bookmark. And if you wouldn't mind pulling that out, we, we knew with all the moving parts going on, our thought was, wouldn't it be helpful if there was a simple tool that everybody received every Sunday? It'll be refreshed, made new every Sunday. And it would just walk them through the week. So if you wouldn't mind, let's walk through this week together. We have the Good and Beautiful God book as one of the tools as we move through this learning experience 
God conversations, God stories, God narratives, um, learning to wait upon God. And so reading that book will tell you each week what part of the book to read. On the front cover, you can see which chapter and, and, and when you might consider reading that. On the back side of the, of the bookmark, you'll see that there are a couple of highlights from chapter one. We also know that with the good and beautiful God experience we're going to be going through, that there will be these soul training experiences. Every chapter in the book comes with one of them. We, we I identify that in, uh, on the front part of the bookmark. There's a spot here of, of which soul training exercise to look at and maybe setting time aside then to practice it. On the back, in case someone doesn't have a copy of the book, there's a notice to what that soul training experience is. As Joss mentioned, too, that the good and beautiful God, we, we want to have discussions. In fact, these are so important. We want to interact with each other that we raised it to the top of the front of the bookmark. And, and we simply say, engage in community. Participate in one of our life groups. Reach out to other people. Have those conversations that we might encourage each other. And then, of course, weekly worship of our good and beautiful God. And we'll announce there what the next Sunday is. So, so this week you read chapter 1. Next week we will preach on the concepts. that we'll, We won't be preaching the book. We're going to be preaching the text of the Bible. But it will be connecting with chapter 1. So we read chapter 1 this week in anticipation of our conversation on Sunday. All this is simply to say, ultimately God matters. Ultimately God matters. And it turns out, it turns out, it just happens to be that to God you matter. He created you in his image, and he sent his son into this world to die for you, that you would have life with him forevermore. God ultimately matters, and to God, you matter. Our prayer and desire is that through this season, every single person in our congregation would be able to have incredible conversations with each other inside themselves and with the living God that would reshape their understanding, go deeper, to explore more of that 90% below the sea level. That we would grow closer to God in intimacy and we'd grow greater with God in dependence. And so what matters to you? What matters to you? May the God who is matter to us in such a way that everything else is defined by his love. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful that you are the God who does exist. And you know how we've bounded you in in so many different ways because of our limited understanding, our limited engagements. And we pray that this season would be a time where all those limitations would just be torn down, broken away, that you would allow us to explore and step into greater and greater understanding of you and greater and greater dependence upon you. So, Lord, make our hearts ready. Allow our minds to be focused. Provide that encouragement. May we wait upon you. May we tarry in this season knowing that you are the God who provides. We give you praise. We thank you for Jesus. In his name. Amen.